The preacher was going to preach tonight, but he wore his blue jeans, but they told me he couldn't preach tonight, so. <laughs> Amen. Now, he asked me the other week, he called me the other week, he said, do you mind if I do Wednesday night and you do Sunday night? And I said, I'd be fine with me, either one. But, you know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, I hadn't preached here much lately. For some reason or another, I've been some bit, getting to go to other places. But now Doyle's back in the circuit. They kicked me out of the bunch. So, you know. <laughs> hey, man, that's good. And tonight we're going to be talking about being recession-proof. And I'll get to that in just a minute, what I mean by that. But, you know, we're not in a recession right now. But, you know, years ago we was in a recession in the world saying everything's going wrong. But, you know, as Christians, we don't have to worry about those things to start with, do we? But I am going to talk to you about a few things why your life may seem like it's in a recession. Amen? Yeah. You know, the Lord's been dealing with my heart. And for some reason or another, everybody was gone yesterday. Everybody had to work. I was, on a, I was doing something else. And I had the house all to myself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to bed early. And I'm going to sleep good. And that's going to be the end of that. Well, it's about the time I went to sleep, the Lord just started stirring me. And all night I was thinking about this message for summer. And I don't usually do that, but, you know, because usually when it's time to go to bed, I like to go to bed. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. And I, the reason I say all this, the church is not where we ought to be. Amen? And I'm not talking about our church. You know, I'm talking about somebody else's church. You know how I am. But what I'm talking about, the people of God, not the buildings, not the denominations, but the people of God. Because, you know, here lately I've been getting to go around folks and do different things and seemingly and I'll, I'll just go ahead we don't preach this stuff no more but I'm going to go ahead and just we don't believe it as a Pentecostal doctrine so that's what I'm going to talk to you for a second about you know we don't believe in like gambling we don't believe in drinking smoking adultery fornicating we don't believe in none of that stuff right amen we don't believe in cussing and carrying on we, we believe in living like God told us to live amen but you know seemingly everybody's a Christian and people doing all these things that they're doing that I just, li that list I just give you, not all of the, not necessarily every one of them in one individual, but they're doing these things. But yet they're involved in church too. And you know, I got to thinking about that and the Lord was just stirring me. You know, and as the preacher talked about this morning, churches are closing every week. You know, churches, cer certain churches are growing but yet there's no substance in what they're teaching or preaching. Amen. There's no lifestyle. There's no eternal change in people's lives. You know, I don't, I've never been a good at making people feel good about themselves or being, I'm not, I don't have that gift, I guess. You know, I'm not a great orator or none of those things. And I'm good at irritating people. My wife will tell you that. I'm real good at ticking people off, especially her. Amen. And I don't necessarily mean to. But I do it anyhow. Amen. All the wives said about your husbands. But you know, God has called us to a certain lifestyle. Amen. And I remember when God saved me, and I've, I've shared before with Sister Pearl Bayon and Francis Bale and Brother Wesley Atkins, you know, they was imparting to me, you know what, you got to live holiness. Because if you don't live holiness, you're not going to heaven. And it's not a denomination, it's a lifestyle that God says that we're supposed to be living. And you know, our revival's coming up, and I was thinking about that, and you know, we want revival, and we want things, and you know, we've had a lot going on at this church in the last 15 years, it seems like. It just seems like one attack after the other. You know what? God's the only one that can change that. Amen. Revival begins, and our worship services, they begin at home. Amen? 
How are you living when you're not at church? You know, in those secret places, in those secret parts of your heart and your mind, what are you thinking? What are you doing? What is your motives? What is your purpose? You know, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 32 and 33 says, Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. That's not my main text. But you know, in Deuteronomy, Moses told the people, he said, and this is after he received the law, the Ten Commandments. He said, this is what you've got to do. Nothing has changed, church. God says, if you want his blessings, if you want him to transform your life, if you want him to change things, you've got to observe his law and you've got to walk according to his law. You've got to do what he tells us to do. For some reason or another, we feel like we can just do whatever. And you know, I hear a lot about God's grace and God's mercy and God's got a lot of grace and God's got a lot of mercy. Amen. But it's because of his mercy and grace that Jesus was the substitution, the propitiation, that, that fancy word. He was the one that made the difference. He's the one that makes us holy. Amen. And when Jesus would heal somebody, when Jesus would deliver somebody, he'd tell me, he said, now go sin no more. I wonder tonight, you don't hear a whole lot about it, but do we really believe in holiness anymore? You know, people call to say, well, you go to that Pentecostal church. You know what? You can't have a Pentecostal church without holiness. Because unless there's holiness, unless there's a clean vessel, unless there's a sanctified life, a sanctified group, God's not going to walk in their midst. And he's telling us that tonight. I need revival. Amen. We need revival. You know, my heart's been desired. My, my burden for the last several years is praying for those folks that have gone somewhere else. Amen. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, God's got all kinds of churches and all kinds of denominations. And, you know, that's really not what God's about. But, you know, there's, there's the level of people we take and handle. And there's good people in all of them. But I believe God's got a place for every individual. And he's got a purpose in every, for every individual in the church that he's planned them in. But the thing about the enemy is he likes to stir us up, distract us, frustrate us, give us excuses, make us mad, whatever the excuse is we got, and run us off, isn't he? I'm going to be honest with you. A few years ago, I, you know, I felt like it was the Lord's time for me to quit as an associate. I figured 18 years, that was enough for y'all. Amen. I wasn't mad at nobody. Have nothing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something else. And I went and did something else. Man, I've done it good too. But Lord, the struggles have been in my life ever since. Amen. Because the Lord showed me, you know what? You can go do what you want to do. You can go live your life any way you want to live your life. And I ain't talking about living in sin. I wouldn't. I mean, I had a, I'll be honest with you. I guess I had some rebellion in me. Because I was going to do something different. Amen. And the Lord, he really convicted me about that. But you know what? God wants you to do certain things. Amen. You know, too many times in our lives, we look at the five talent people. You know, the, and I'm not going to talk. I'm going to talk about a lot of things here lately. Amen. Y'all just let me go for a minute. But you know, you got the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. 
We all want to be five talent people. Amen? I can't stand preachers that can play the piano and sing. Amen? I can't stand it. Because I can't do either one of them. Bless him. But no, seriously, don't we look at people sometimes that way? I don't really feel that way. I wish I could sing and y'all do too. Amen? And as Doyle told you, everybody ought to be in the choir but me. But you know, God's called some of us to be one talent people. Amen? And what we're talking about tonight is the God's will and God's purpose. Moses told him, you must observe and shall do all the things that the Lord has commanded. God's commanded us all to live in holiness. Amen? God's commanded us all to walk in righteousness. You know, we don't have no excuse not to know what that righteousness is when we, look at, when we got the Bible right here, do we? But God says, find your hand what to do and do it with all your might unto him. You know, I heard an interesting story about some, a preacher, he, uh, a Bible school teacher, and he was president, and he was talking to the people. He says, everybody's waiting for God to call them and tell them to do something. That's, that's kind of the thing here today. Well, we want to wait for God to tell me to go do something. When you see a need, amen, what are you supposed to do? Now, the Bible says, he who knows to do right and don't do it, it is sin unto him. If you see a need, you need to go do it, amen? So I'm calling all you ladies and men, you know, we've got teaching positions that's probably available, amen? I told you we was retooling everything this morning. So if you got a, if you got a, if you got a, the business to do it, guess what you ought to do? You ought to go do it, Amen? Now, some of us have had the excuse that, you know what, we're tired now, aren't we? That's what my wife's told me, she's tired. But you know what, we're not dead yet, amen? amen? We feel like we are sometimes. But I found in all of this, and I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere, y'all just hold on for a second. You know, and following God, and you know, you're doing something else away from God, God has got a way of bringing you all the way around to get to where you need, He wants you to be, Amen? And God's got a way of wanting us to see, you know what, things don't work out. We're going to talk about that recession proof in just a second. When your life is not working out, when circumstances seem to be coming against you and everything seems to be going wrong, we don't need to say, well, God, why'd you let me down? We need to say, Lord, am I serving you? The day today we're living in, instead of what we can do for God, we're saying, God, what can you do for me? That's the problem with the prosperity gospel. It's all about me, 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 me. It don't have anything to do with holiness. It don't have anything to do with anything. But how can I get rich? And how can I get all that I want? How can I be healthy and my forward no more? How can I get all of this? It's like consumerism. But that's not what God is about. Amen? We know that God's got promises and he's got plans and he's got purposes for our lives. But God also tells us when you find your hand what to do and you do it with all your might unto him, when you begin to do it, when you begin to walk in faith, God says he's going to meet every need. Amen. And he's going to show you the way and he's going to let you go through it. We ask, I ask you this morning, this, excuse me, this evening, what compromises have you made in your life? I tell you what, I compromised big a long time ago. I used to didn't think you should go to the movie theater until my kids come along. And I'd, I'd go to movies when I was little, see those little G movies. And those ain't, some of them things aren't even fit no more, amen? amen? But I ask you tonight, what have you compromised? We are still Pentecostal holiness people, aren't we? 
We're not saved by works, but because we're saved, we're going to have good works. And when you have holiness and when you have a relationship under Jesus Christ, he says you want to serve him, you want to honor him, you want to do everything you can to stay in that fellowship and to walk with him. I ask you, what compromises have you made? You know, Deuteronomy 5 reminds us that he brought us out of bondage. When he saved us, he got us out of bondage. I don't know about y'all, when God saved me, he had to do a whole lot of work to save me. Amen? He had a whole, that was a whole lot of baggage, there was a whole lot of junk in my life, but God rescued me and he pulled me out. And I told you I had a, a little bit of rebellion there and I said I was going to do my own thing because I thought, well, you know, this is the right thing to do. Because, you know, just like the children of Israel, you know, they've got to wandering around. They, they got to complacent and they got distracted and they started murmuring and complaining and said they'd do something else. When God had a reason right where they was at. He was preparing their hearts. He was preparing their lives. God lets us go through those valleys. He lets us go through those things. He lets us go through those trials so that we'll know that our allegiance and our trust is totally in Him. You know, David, he wouldn't take nothing from the king of Salem because, you know what, he said, I don't want what you've got to offer. He says, because if I take it from you, then, I'm going, then they're going to say, look what he done for me. He says, everything I get and receive, I want it from God and God alone. That's the attitude we ought to have as a body of believers. You know, he saved us. You know, he talks about those graven images in the Ten Commandments. He says, you, won't serve, you shouldn't serve anything else but God. You ain't supposed to serve stuff on heaven or on earth. But how many times are we serving our stuff? How many times are we looking to what we got, trying to hold on to what we got? You know what, I'm almost a half a century old now, two years away from it. So, you know, most of my life is over with now. So you look at all that I got and all the accomplishments in life. And as a preacher said this morning, what's behind me is behind me and it don't matter no more. Amen. So what's the point? Why do we get so rattled? Why do we get so entangled? Paul says the yokes of bondage in this life. First Chronicles 29. I'm going to get to it now. First Chronicles 29. This is David's prayer. First Chronicles 29, begin with verse 10. He says, Wherefore, David, bless the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is not, excuse me, <clears throat> it is to make great and to give us strength unto all. Verse 13. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own hand have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house, for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. And I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, and hast 
pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the, the imaginations of the thoughts, of the hearts of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. And give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for that which I have made provision. Verse 20. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the congregation bless the Lord God of their fathers, and bow down their heads, and worship the Lord and King. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And on the morrow after that day, even a thousand bullocks, a thousand rams, and a thousand lambs, with their drink offerings and sacrifices, and abundance for all of Israel. You hear what the people heard, didn't you? They said, all is God's. Everything in heaven and earth, everything is in his hands. And they said, blessed be God. David was saying all of this. He said, David was a king and he could have made himself great. He could have built 10 palaces. He could have built 10 kingdoms, but he wanted to serve God and honor God and bless God. And in David's reading the word to the people, he told me, he said, bless the Lord. And remember where it come from. And he said, now worship God. If we don't get anything else tonight, we need to get in our spirits and we need, and this is going to be something we're going to have to learn in our own lives. We must learn that no matter what, it's all God's. These worries I've got, they're not my worries. Amen. The troubles in my life, they're not my troubles. The struggles in my life, I don't have to carry those. Jesus said he had a yoke and his yoke was easy. Amen. He says, as David says, and as Jesus said, give it all to God. And learn to just trust Him and believe Him. And let Him have it all. You know what? We don't like to let go, do we? You know, having kids, before I had kids, you know what? I used to think kids in the grocery store, you know, screaming kids. Man, if I was my young and I'd beat them half to death. I beat my kids maybe three times in their life, maybe. If you call that what it was. But you know what? We realize something. It's all God's. And God is wanting his people to realize we can't worry about this life. We can't continue in the struggle because it's not our struggle. Amen? And I know that's hard to believe. But Jesus said, just trust him. David told him. He said, all that is in heaven and earth is his. And when you become a Christian, guess what? You become his. Amen? And all he tells us we got to do, we got to abide in him. He says all we've got to do is learn to trust him and learn to walk in him and to learn to trust after him and believe him for all things. And he says then when we do this, he said he'll bring us through everything that we've got. And I thank God even in our struggles and our rebellion and our craziness that God is still right there trying to draw us back. Amen. And he's always wanting to spring us back. You know, it's like I told my kids when they was little, as long as I had my hand on them, they was in safety. But as soon as they got away from him, I couldn't protect them. Amen. And that's what God is telling us. As long as we're holding on to the unchanging hand of God. As long as we're walking in this holiness, we're learning to serve him and trust him in everything. He said, we've got all we need. You know, what is the recession for? I'm getting to it now, I promise. What is the recession for? What is the troubles? What is the things in life? You know, one thing I believe... It, 
We can blame it on the Bilderbergers. We can blame it on the Illuminati. And we can blame it on all kinds of other things. We can blame it on the rich people. You know, as, the, as our current political system is, let's blame all the rich people. And, and now they're saying we need to quit having kids and we need to get rid of all the cows and our global warming to go away. Maybe get rid of some of the kids, but not the cows. Amen? I don't really mean that. But you know, that's what the world is looking at. You know, the world is looking, how can I benefit? And I want to ask these people sometimes, the ones that are saying don't have kids anymore, is it really responsible for the earth for us to continue to have kids? If we quit having kids, what do we need the earth for anymore? Amen? You ever thought about that? But you know, the Bible says to tend the garden, take care of the earth. To have children multiply, be responsible. I believe we ought to be responsible. But you know, the world is looking at it different ways than we are. We look at it as, as Christians, if you're truly born again, we realize we're going to be out of here one of these days. Amen? And it could be any moment. But here's a few reasons I'm going to give you tonight why God might let us have recessions in this world. You know, God has his own purposes, and some of these might be, first of all, is to expose hidden sin, and so to bring us to repentance and cleansing. God allows things in our lives when we walk, not in his holiness. Do you realize that? Whenever something's going wrong in my life, first thing I do, Lord, what have I done? Amen? And things start going wrong with the finances, my wife asks me, what have you done? Amen? Y'all laugh, but that's the truth. Because you know what? We realize, I learned a long time ago, I can serve God. And I can trust Him. And you know what? He's met every need. He hadn't let me down. But guess what? He's let some things didn't work out like I thought they ought to work out. I don't have a pocket full of money yet, but guess what? I quit worrying about a pocket full of money. You know, I used to always be planning, wanting to have all these plans. Now, as long as I got enough when payday, when the bills come, that's all I care about anymore. Amen? But ain't that what the Bible says? Lord, give me my da- this day, our daily bread. Yes. Give me what I need for today. Yes. Amen? Because tomorrow might not come. We may not have tomorrow. But one of the reasons God allows recession in your life is maybe you're not living like you ought to be living. And I'm going to be honest with you, the churches, we're not doing what we ought to be doing. Amen? You know, I'll... You know, when we're, building, build, when we're building big buildings, we're doing all these things, we've got all these programs, we're doing all this stuff, but yet we're not winning the lost. We're not fulfilling what God called us to do to start with, are we? And you say, but Chris, you know what, I witness to people, but people don't want to hear it no more. You're right, a lot of people don't want to hear it. And I don't believe you've got to go to beat people on the head, but you know what, God will give you opportunities to drop little nuggets in people's lives. And to share what God has done for you. Because God's done something for each and every one of us. And he's still doing things. And I promise you, that's the one prayer you can pray every time that God will answer every time. Is that, Lord, give me an opportunity to preach to somebody or speak to someone about you. You know, God allows these things in our lives when we're not walking in holiness. Are you walking in holiness today? Do you realize that one thing, I read an article that says the one thing people need more than ever before it's time. We got all the time-saving devices, microwaves, you know, we got cars and speedy trains, we got planes, we got everything in the world. But yet we don't have enough time anymore, do we? Because a lot of times we're wasting our time, aren't we? Anybody got one of them? 
You know, we don't watch TV as much as we used to, but man, are we glued to these things. Can't do without them, can we? And I, well, I know some holy people. Well, I'm looking at the Bible. Maybe so. But you know what? Are you spending time with God? Great preacher Evan Roberts from Europe years ago, a long time ago. His wife asked him, she, he, she said, why are you spending five, six hours a day in prayer? And here he is serving a, serving a large church in England. He said, I've got all these people that I'm responsible to to God. He says, I can't help but pray five or six hours a day. He says, I can't help but be responsible, make the difference. Because God has called us to stand in the gap. Amen. God has called us to make the difference, to intercede for people's lives. But he's called us to be holiness. Recession proof, number one, is to expose hidden sin. And so to bring us to repentance and cleansing. Secondly, is to wake us up to the constant and desperate condition of the developing world. Where there's always an, an, a recession of the worst kind. I don't know about you, if we live in America, we got it pretty good, amen? You know, there's people struggling, we've got needs and things don't work out and people lose homes and a lot of different things. And a lot of times it's because of making bad choices. And when the church people are doing it, it's because you didn't intercede and ask the Lord, was that a good idea before you got into it, amen? But you know, there's people around the world that living in third world countries, they don't have anything. Their life is always a recession. If they get one meal a day, they're doing good. And we, we, we talk about trade agreements and we talk about what's going on. America's the richest country in the world. But yet we got the most debt of any country in the world too. We make the most money. But we're also the, some, one of the most unhappy people in the world. So that tells you it ain't stuff that's going to make you happy. Winning the lotto is not going to make a difference. Amen. Getting another wife, another car, another truck or something else. That's not going to make a difference. What's going to make the difference is, are you walking in holiness? Are you serving God? And God wants us to be aware of somebody besides me. Amen. He says it ain't about me, but it's about him. And what he's interested in is the hurting and the dying and the lost. And the sick and the afflicted. James says it's the job of the church and the Christian to visit the widows in their distress. Amen. To help those that need help. To feed those that are hungry. Amen. That's our job. The third thing we look at is to relocate the roots of our joy and His grace rather than the goods that we got. You know, I was talking to other, yesterday. You know, I used to have a vehicle. I used to love that vehicle. Man, it was a Dodge truck. Y'all, y'all, I know, I repented. I got rid of it. But you know, I loved that Dodge truck. Man, it was pretty. It was Inferno red. I mean, it was 20-inch wheels. I mean, that thing was nice. Wasn't a scratch on it. And the day to the week I bought it, I hit a deer. And then a month later, somebody was backing out of the garage. I'm not going to name which one of my female. And ran right into it. And they were smart because they went and got the preacher's wife and got around a bunch of people to call and tell me that she ran into my truck. She thought she just bumped it up a little bit. Just tore the whole side up, but that's okay. And it was just one little thing after the other. And I just decided, you know what? I'll not have too much stock into this thing, loving on this thing like I was. And then the next year, guess what? Two day, a month after the warranty run out, I had a leaking intake gasket with 32,000 miles. I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have bought it, and I got rid of it. Amen. We can't love stuff, church. 
God's not interested in these buildings. You know, we ought to take care of them. We ought to, we ought to be the best we can be for God. But God's interested in people. He's interested in the people that come in. And he's interested in the people that's got something to offer and the ones that don't have anything to offer. That's all God is interested in. And he, sometimes he allows us to relocate our possessions, if you will. He wants us to change our, our way of thinking. Because it ain't about our stuff. Amen? How many of you got garages and basements and buildings full of stuff that you just had to have and now you don't really need it but you can't part it, can't get rid of it? I go to a lot of houses. A lot of folks got a lot of junk these days. God wants to relocate our roots. He wants us to be planted on something that's worthwhile. He wants us to see what's necessary. You know, it's in his mercy rather than in our money. It's in his worth rather than his wealth. It don't matter about our money, church. Because if you're trusting God, he's going to take care of you. Amen? If you've got a need, he's going to meet that need. We need to be thinking about God's mercy. You know, I preached a sermon years ago. About the blessings of God are sometimes the things that choke us out spiritually. Because you know what? God will give us things. And, we, and I know people that they're serving God. And they, they were living in holiness and righteousness and walking with God. And they was witnessing doing all these things. Then all of a sudden God just started blessing them. Amen. And things started working out for them. Then they started skipping Wednesday night church. And then they started skipping the Sunday night service. And before you know it, they ain't even going to church no more. Because they got all these blessings. That's why I can't have a boat and I can't have a camper. Because the only time I could use it would be on Sundays. Amen? Because you got to work six days a week to pay for everything. So you, you, Sunday be the only time. So guess what? Ain't no use in getting it, is it? And I know I'm being a little extreme maybe. But think about your life. Where's your worth at? Amen? My worth isn't what I drive, isn't what I live in. My worth isn't what y'all think about me. The only thing we should be concerned about what people think about us, that are we living righteously, amen? Are we a reproach to the name of Christ? Because that's all that matters is our testimony before the Lord. And you know what? Be honest with you, even when you're doing that, people are going to find stuff wrong with you. So you really can't worry too much. But you think about Jesus, King of glory. He came and they, they persecuted, they cussed him, they spit on him, they beat him. But yet he never said a word. So how much more do we need to keep our mouths quiet sometimes? Amen? Because it's not my battle, it's his. He'll convict me when I need to do wrong. He'll show me the right way. It's his mercy that he wants us to be concerned about, not the, what we can receive materially. The fourth thing is to advance his saving mission in the world. To spread the gospel and the growth of his church precisely at a time when human resources are least able to support it. Do you realize that when the churches in America was growing, was when nobody had any money? Y'all remember that? You know, most of our Pentecostal owners' churches was in the 50s and the 60s. And man, we got them everywhere. But unfortunately, they're closing down now. You know what? People used to be hungry for God. People, people were hungry for something different. But you know what? We got all these great things. We got all this stuff to entertain the world that, you know what? People are not interested anymore. Yeah. You know, I remember when I went to Holmes Bible College. 
great opportunity. And I thank God I didn't have no student debt when I left that place. Ain't no wonder preachers can't stay and go nowhere because church schools cost too much anymore. But you know, Holmes Bible College, it was built on a pre- premise that you know what, it's going to be by faith in God alone. We're not going to charge students to come here. To, we're not going to charge them with tuition. But they're going to come if God has called them and, they, and the board deems them that this is what God wants. They're going to let them into the institution. They're going to let them go. And they're going to work in the school. And they're going to do all they can. And that, story after story, how they, when it was time to eat, they wouldn't have nothing to eat. But they'd go ahead and set the table. And they'd go ahead and fix their glass of water. Because that's all they had. And they said they would go. And they would sit down and they'd begin to pray. And they said at the right time, somebody would show up with food. Call it a coincidence, I won't, or call it the providence of God. Would we learn to trust God like it? Instead of trusting MasterCard and Visa and consumer finance or all these other loan sharks, if you will. Would we learn to trust God rather than the things of this world? Amen? You know, we talk about a simpler time. Get back to a simpler time. All we got to do is just start getting rid of junk. Amen? All we got to do is get rid of stuff. Quit looking at our hope and our trust is in this. Our pleasure and our joy is in the things of this world because they're not in those things. It's just work. It's just labor. And it's just cumbersome. It's, after the new smell's gone, it's just something else to pay for and take care of. God says, trust me. He said his job is and our job is to advance the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that, you know, he who rescues souls is wise. Who is a soul winner is wise. You know, one day we're going to give him an account for everything we do. Are we going to be found worthy? I'm not saved because of my works. Because I'm saved, I am going to do good works. Amen? You know, I might be a one-talent person in this life. We might be all one-talent people. But you know, if you're faithful... Over a few things, God says, I'll make you faithful over many things. We need to quit looking at we're going to live in this world forever. Like I said, I'm almost a half a century over. It's about over. Amen. Some of you might be a few years older than me. But I mean, honestly, just think about it. You know, the Bible says, think about 70 years. Joel even says even 120 years. But I can't live that long. That's just too much trouble. They tell me my retirement Social Security is going to last 18 years after I retire. So, you know, 18 is it. So, 88, I guess, where I'm going to be at. I don't know. But look at your life. Look what matters. Look around you. Has anybody got lost loved ones? Has anyone got lost neighbors? Anybody know anybody that's addicted to something? We all do. And God's heart is for those people. Amen. Just like he rescued us from the fire, he wants us to go rescue them from the fire. Amen? You know, to spread the gospel and the growth of his church precisely at a time when human resources are least able to support it. God says, if you'll be faithful, he says, I'll make a way every time. The fifth thing is to bring his church to care for its hurting members and to grow in the gift of love. Amen? God wants us to help those that are hurting. But too many times, we don't do it, but I know people at other churches, you know, when people's hurt, we want to just, just rail them, don't we? We, want to just, we just want to say, well, you deserved it. That ain't what God wants us to do, amen? 
The Bible says when you see your enemy falling, he says, don't laugh. He says, because if you do, he'll have displeasure in you. He says, but pray for him. Lift him up, raise him up, make a difference in people's lives. That's what God's called us to do. You know, what else does God want to teach us in difficult times? You know, Luke one thirty seven says that nothing is impossible with him. You know, he, you know, he tells us in Psalm 15 10 that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not limited by an economic downturn, is he? You know, God hasn't told us to abandon his great commission or abandon us either, has he? You know, struggles come, trials come in our lives. Things are hard. Some things it's because we make them for ourselves hard. But you know, a lot of times God does allows things in our lives so we wake us up. Amen. He wants us to walk in holiness. He wants us to walk in righteousness. He wants us to serve Him with our whole hearts. Because you know, just like the children of Israel, you know, they were they come out of the they come out of slavery. They come out of the Exodus. But yet, after a little while, they forgot God. Too many times, Christians, God delivers them from bondage. And they forget about God. Too many times when we're, we're serving God and we're working in the church and we're laboring and we're ministering, we're doing all these things. Eventually, it seems like at times we forget about what we're doing it for. Jesus says, unless he's lifted up, then no man will be drawn unto him. But he says, if he's lifted up, then he will draw all men unto himself. Our job, our responsibility is to lift up Jesus and to glorify him. It's not about the Stonewall Church. It's not about our activities we got going on. It's not about our groups or nothing. Else, but it's about Jesus. And about glorifying Him and honoring Him and blessing Him. He wants us to let the... It's not part... Excuse me. He tells us not to put our hopes on worldly prosperity. But on the one who owns it all. What are you hoping in tonight? Where's your hope at? Are you walking in holiness? Are you serving him? You know, I took a, I took a survey, you know, there's some things I could stand to do, amen? You know, I could turn off the television a little bit more. You know, I could put down some things, spend a little more time with God. That's what God is interested in, amen? When God created the heavens and the earth, when he created man, he wanted a relationship. When he put Adam and Eve in the garden... And told him to take care of it. He wanted a relationship. He came down. The Bible says he came down to cool today to walk with them and talk with them. But because of sin, they were separated from God. But because of God and his foreknowledge and because of his grace and his mercy, he sent Christ that we could have a relationship once again. That he sent the Holy Spirit. That we can walk in power. We can walk in anointing. We can walk in holiness. Because he knew we couldn't do it in ourselves. But we can do it in him. When difficulties come our way, God uses them to show, show us that when he, we put our trust in Him, His goodness will we'll know. When all you have is God, you have all you need. Amen? Amen? I wonder tonight, where are you in your walk? Where are you at in your relationship? Are you serving Him like you ought to? I'm going to be honest with you, we can all do a little bit better, can't we? You know, we can all quit making excuses. Well, I'm kind of tired. We all tired, aren't we? But I done figured out something. I'm tired of home, so you might as well come on to church and be tired. Amen? 
Might as well go to sleep in the house of God and watching television. Not really, amen. But you know, God wants us to have a walk with Him and a relationship with Him. Sister Rhonda, if you'd come. I want to encourage you tonight. Let's come around the altar. And let's seek you, Lord, and ask Him, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Our Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for what you're doing. But God, more than anything else, we thank you for your mercy. Father, I ask you tonight, Lord. Lord, as we come around this altar, Lord, I ask you, Lord, where are we had in our walk? Where are we had in our relationship with you, Lord? For God, this church needs revival like never before. Your people need you like never before, Lord. Father, we need you to restore. We need you to heal, Lord. We need you to transform, deliver, Father. And God, we're not going to have any blessings. We're not going to have any anointing and any power until we learn to walk in holiness, first of all. Until we repent of our ways and trust you, O God. Lord, we thank you tonight.